Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that we can spend looking at your word together. We thank you for the time that I've been able to spend this week preparing, and we pray that that preparation may not be wasted, that what I've prepared may be helpful because it is prepared by you in my mind. Lord, we pray that the words I speak this morning may not be my words, but that you may speak through me to the people gathered here. We pray that through looking at your word together, we may be encouraged and built up in the faith and go from here this morning strengthened to advance your kingdom as we should. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think politics is something you either really love or you really hate. I think you swing from one extreme to another. I mean, there are people who sit in the middle, but generally speaking, from my conversations with people, they tend to really enjoy reading about politicians and what's going on, or they just hate hearing about politics and they would rather not consider politicians at all. I think I err on the the love side. I do love to read about politicians, what they're up to. I love to follow it in the in the papers. But there are times where I swing to the other extreme and say, why do I bother? Why do I bother writing letters to politicians? Why do I try and have a voice uh, to them when I just don't see any results that I'm looking for? And so I swing to that other spectrum where I just want to give up on the whole bunch of them. Well, politics has been around for a long time. Uh, Man has always loved to have leaders over them and men have always liked to be leaders over other people. And so politics is something that has gone on and on through history. And we've got to remember that the Bible does speak positively about those who are in authority. The politicians over God's people can be used by God for good. They can be a good thing. And that's what we want to look at this morning as we look at Ezra. We've been looking at Ezra for a few weeks now. And this morning, I want to look at how God blesses his people through politicians. He uses politicians, even pagan politicians, politicians who are not God's people. He can use them to protect and bless his people. Now, how did we get to this point in Ezra? I thought I'd give a bit of a recap, as I think I've been doing every week. How did Ezra come about? Well, of course, in Genesis, you've got Abraham. Abraham is a pagan. He's called by God to be his person, uh, one of God's people. Then he has a son, Isaac. And then through Isaac, we have Jacob. Jacob has a name change to Israel. And through Jacob, we end up with the 12 tribes of Israel. They all end up down in Egypt. Uh, They move because of a famine. Egypt, they prosper there because... Uh, One of the sons of Jacob, Joseph, is in charge and he, of course, uh, gives uh, a lot of grace to his people. They prosper there, they have lots of kids. Then a different uh, ruler comes to the throne, a different pharaoh, and he does not like the Israelites. He persecutes them. So God then takes the Israelites out of Egypt through doing a, a number of great miracles so that the Egyptians basically force them out of the land and send them with, um, they are able to, what they say, plunder the Egyptians. They actually take uh, a lot of gold and uh, money and other uh, items from the Egyptians. They end up back in the promised land after a wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Then they sin a lot in the promised land. God is very unhappy. So what does he do? He sends 
the Assyrians firstly and then the Babylonians, they come and they destroy Jerusalem. They take away the Israelites to the land of Babylon. Then God graciously allows them to come back. A new politician comes to the throne, King Cyrus. He blesses uh, their desire to go back. He sends them back. They come back. And that's at the beginning of Ezra. That's where we picked up uh, when we first started looking at Ezra. They are coming back under the reign of King Cyrus. They start rebuilding the temple that was destroyed. They lay the foundation, they create the altar, and then opposition happens. And we've been looking at that in Ezra. The opposition comes, they stall on their work on the temple. Then prophets came, come, uh, Haggai and Zechariah, encourage them, what are you guys doing? Start building. They start building. Opposition comes again. And a letter is sent to King Darius saying, why are these people building the temple? And then we saw last week that evidence is found that Cyrus did indeed decree that the people could come back and start building. And now we have Darius's response to the attackers of, his, of God's people. And whether the response is favorable, favorable or not, we will now see in this letter from Ezra chapter 6, verse 6 through to verse 12. So if you've got a black church Bible there, I encourage you to have it open to page 466 as we look at this letter from Darius, from verse 6 down to verse 12. And Darius's response is a favourable response. The Israelites are worried about Darius's response. Darius could say, stop work altogether. But instead, he gives them a favourable response. And so my first main point this morning, which is on the back of the church bulletin, if you want to follow along, my main points are there and indicated, is that God often protects his people using pagan governments. God often protects his people using pagan governments. And the first way we see this is that uh, governments allow freedom for God's people to basically do God's work. And we see this in uh, verse 6 of Ezra chapter 6. What does Darius write? He then writes to those people who are trying to stop the work of the Israelites, Now then, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shetho-Bozani, and you, their fellow officials of that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. The government allows the people of God to work with freedom on building God's temple there. And God still does this today with the Australian government that we are under. It is a pagan government in many ways. We are often uh, not certain about those who profess uh, confession of faith. They, they profess that they're Christians uh, as politicians and then we're sort of, oh, how much is it that they are actually Christians? And our Prime Minister herself has said that she is an atheist, she is not a Christian. But that does not mean that God cannot use such a government for our blessing, for God's people's blessing. And in fact, we are blessed by our government, by our government that does not profess to be a Christian government, but in, it says that it is a secular government, but it is still able to bless us. God is still able to use it for our blessing. And we see that quite clearly in the way that we have freedom of religion in this country. The government 
tells people to stay away from hassling Christians when they're trying to worship God. For being Christians, we are not to be persecuted by those around us. The government says what basically Darius says here. He says, stay away from there. If you're going to hassle Christians, the government says, no, you can't. Stay away. Verse 7, do not interfere with the work on this temple. And so today, the government says, do not interfere with Christians as they work on the temple of God. We are building the temple of God still today as Christians. We are not building it in Jerusalem, making a physical structure, but we are said to be stones in God's temple. We are building God's temple. And so we go about that by uh, bringing people into the temple, making new stones by conversions, by sharing the gospel with people who are not Christians. We encourage them to become part of God's temple. And then we ourselves, as stones in God's living temple, we try to be good stones. We try to do what is right as Christians. And people around us are not allowed to interfere with such work. We are allowed to evangelise in this country, and the reason we're allowed to do it is because God has blessed us with a government that protects us from people who want to stop us evangelising in this country. The freedom we have here is not something we should take for granted. Many countries around the world do ban evangelism. It is against the law to share the gospel with those who do not know Christ. Whereas here in Australia, God has given us a Darius. God has given us someone who is favourable towards us and says to people who will interfere with the work of Christians, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work that they're doing. Secondly, God's uh, governments also provide for God's people. Governments provide for God's people. And we see this in this text. It is so wonderful as we read this. Uh, you see how they are actually, the Israelites, going from having to pay for the expenses themselves to having the government pay for the expenses. And we see this in verse 8. Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. The expenses of these men are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. The government is providing for God's people as they construct this temple. The construction costs are now covered by the local tax office, basically. The taxes that are made up from the people there now go to the work of building the temple. And not only that, just the building of the temple itself is funded, the actual sacrifices that are offered at the temple are funded by the government as well. Read on, verse 9. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine and oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail, so they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. So not only is the temple expenses, uh, the, the construction of it, paid by the, the, the tax office, even the sacrifices are being paid by the local revenues. And today we do experience provision from the government for us as Christians, as we worship God. The government is very kind to religions in this country and that includes the Christian religion. The church itself as a business is 
tax-free. There is tax exemption for us. We are a not-for-profit organisation, and so we do not have to pay tax like other businesses. If you have a private business, you will have to pay tax on the income that you receive. Here at church, we do not have to pay tax, and that is because the God that we worship has given us a government that is giving us that tax exemption, just like the provision that Darius was giving to the people of Israel. Also, local council rates, we don't pay rates on the building. I um, always begrudge paying my local council rates, although I do use a lot of their services, particularly the libraries, uh, one of those things that I love local councils for. But the church, this building, we don't pay rates on it. The manse that we have next door, we don't pay rates. That's a provision from the government. Kennedy House, where I live, don't pay rates either. The preschool, we don't pay rates on. We are provided for by the government here. They actually, money that we should pay them, they say, no, you keep it. Keep it for your use, which is very kind, which is very gracious of the government. And even uh, the pastor himself has tax benefits. Uh, many of you are not aware, I think, uh, I, as I speak to people, they have no idea that uh, pastors have significant tax benefits if they wish to use them that uh, basically we can salary sacrifice in a way that pretty much I don't think anyone else in the population, uh, well, there probably are other people, probably politicians can, um, but we have significant benefits, uh, I, and that really is so that pastors aren't having to be paid as much by the congregation to do their work. So if I didn't get those tax benefits you would probably have to pay me more to keep me around or at least uh, so that I could survive. That is a blessing from the government to us. They don't have to do that, but they do it. And there are some politicians, of course, who are moving against that now, but uh, at the moment the government is very gracious in providing that benefit for us. But they don't just give us exemptions, the government. They also give us grants from time to time. And we've experienced that uh, since I arrived here, at least in two ways. We had asbestos roof removed at the expense of the government, and they also uh, painted the building uh, with that government stimulus package that they pushed, uh, they offered to all not-for-profit organisations that you could apply for grants for capital works projects. We applied for two grants. Both grants were granted. And so the government paid for the work of this church. We otherwise would have had to dedicate money to removing that roof or to painting the church ourselves, and that money then wouldn't have been able to be used for other ministries. The government was very gracious to us. We have a Darius in power who is happy to help us as we try to do God's work. And finally, and to my first main point there, about God often protecting his people using pagan governments, we see it in a third way, that governments punish those who attack God's people. It's all very well to make laws about what should happen, but sometimes governments make laws and then they don't actually fulfil them. The police don't carry out the laws, they become corrupt, and we see that the, the laws don't actually really mean much because there are no punishments, or the punishments are very minor, so that they really are ineffective altogether. But Darius, when he commands something, he makes sure that people will be punished if they disobey his protection of God's people. And we see that in verse 11. 
Verse 11 of Ezra chapter 6. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone changes this edict, a beam is to be pulled from his house and he is to be lifted up and impaled on it. And for this crime, his house is to be made a pile of rubble. He threatens quite seriously here that he will punish those who break his command about protecting God's people. And the punishment, firstly, is impalement. Now, I won't go into the specifics as to how they did that. If you're interested, probably guys afterwards, you can speak to me about the exact method that they did for impaling people. But this is not an idle threat from Darius either. At one point, he impaled 3,000 leading citizens when squashing a rebellion in the Babylonian capital. 3,000 people were impaled. He's not making threats that he won't carry out. He will do it. He will pull a beam from your house and chuck you up on the beam if you go against his word and attack God's people. And the other way he will punish people is what he will do to their house. And for this crime, his house is to be made a pile of rubble. The other way of translating the pile of rubble there in the Hebrew is to make it a a rubbish dump, which is basically what a pile of rubble is, or it could be translated as a dunghill. So it would basically be turn your house into a place for sewerage. And nobody wants that to happen to their house. Uh, This is Darius making sure that his edict, his decree for protection of God's people will be carried out. And so we see here that God is protecting his people using pagan governments. And so through his protection of God's people here, God's purposes are accomplished. By protecting God's people in this place from destruction, from the temple being destroyed, God's purposes are able to be carried out. And one purpose in particular, what is that purpose? That Jesus Christ would be born in Israel. That the godly line that has been protected ever since uh, Seth onwards from Adam and Eve, Abel was killed, but then Seth came. And then you see the tracing of this godly line all the way through, protected, even protected by a pagan government here protected down to Jesus Christ so that you yourself would one day be protected as well from God's wrath through believing in Jesus Christ as your saviour, that his death on the cross was for you, you can be with God for eternity in heaven. Through Darius being a blessing to God's people here, we are able to be a part of God's family today. You see God's protection of his people again and again all through the history of Israel so that Jesus is born and so that if we repent of our sins and ask for forgiveness on the basis of Jesus' death, we are saved. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. (coughs) Recognise what God has done in bringing his son Jesus Christ into the world in fulfilment of all the prophecies that he made in the Old Testament. They were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I encourage you, admit you are a sinner. Repent to God and then trust that Jesus Christ died for you. So this morning we've firstly seen 
that God can use pagan governments to protect his people and accomplish his purposes. The second thing I want to look at is the reaction of God's people to the help of pagan governments. What is the reaction, particularly that Christians should have, to the protection of God's of God's people from pagan governments. And my second main point there on the back of the church bulletin there is use God's protection from pagan governments. Use God's protection from pagan governments. And the first way you can do that is by accepting government help as a gift from the Lord. Don't sniff at the government helping Christians. We don't say, no, 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 we'll do our own thing and reject any help that they provide. No, accept it as a blessing from God. The Israelites did. They didn't say, Darius, you can take uh, your decree and get lost. No, they accept his blessing that he's giving to them as a gift from God. And we should do so as well. We shouldn't be afraid to take government benefits, tax exemptions from the government. They're a blessing from God. And we shouldn't be afraid to sue someone or call the police if they're hassling us for being a Christian. We should look for government support when someone attacks us. Second way that we should use God's protection from pagan governments is work hard with the government's blessing so that the government even benefits. Work hard. You see here, Darius expects some benefits from his blessing of God's people. What is the benefit? Well, it's there in verse basically 9 and 10, but I'll read from verse 9. It's there in verse 10. But reading from verse 9, he says, Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. The Israelites weren't supposed to just accept the blessing without giving something back to Darius. And what did Darius want back from them? He wanted them to pray for him. He wanted them to offer sacrifices on behalf of him so that the God of Israel would be a blessing to Darius himself. Now, that doesn't mean that Darius followed the God of the Israelites uh, in the way that he was supposed to. Uh, It doesn't mean just because he wanted to offer sacrifices to the God of Israel that he suddenly became an Israelite. No, Darius did this with lots of different uh, religions. He thought that a particular land had a particular God, and so if you wanted to have a, a hold on that land and to be king and a good king over it, then you needed to sacrifice to the the God of that land. And so that's what he's doing here. But he's asking for them to pray for him as well. They, he wants the blessing from the God of Israel to him. And so the Israelites would have done that. They would have prayed for Darius. They would have prayed for him. He's requested it, but they probably would have been praying for him anyway as the leader, the ruler over them. And we should do the same thing today as well. When the government blesses us, we should be ready to do our job and part of our job will benefit society and often the government recognises that. They recognise that religion plays an important role in society and that there are actual good benefits that come from protecting religion in a country. One of the benefits that the the government recognises from Christianity is the good morals that we teach. We teach the Ten Commandments. We teach people not to steal, not to murder and that they think is a good thing. We're not telling people to go out and Uh, revolt against the government and to murder people. 
No, we're not doing that. And so they recognise that we are doing something positive into society. And so when the government protects us, we should be benefiting back to the government. We should faithfully teach Christian morals so the society benefits around us, take advantage of the freedom we have in this country. And so the government actually is blessed by what we do. They also expect that we'll offer counselling support to people and support groups. We, as people go through different difficult stages in their lives, they often reach out to those who are around them, particularly people that they associate with in their religion. And so the government doesn't have the burden of paying for psychologists and counsellors and mental health care for people who are going through particular strains because the support group that they have at their local church is able to take that strain. There is a benefit from Christianity to the wider society that the government doesn't have to pick up the paycheck for. And so we should be doing those things as well. We're called to do them, but we should see that the government does benefit from us as well. And we should make that known to people around us. People say, oh, religion uh, should all be taxed. There should be no freedom for them. And we say, do you realise the benefit that there is in this country from having religion here, from having Christianity? There are great benefits particularly the counselling benefits, the support that comes from your local church. And, of course, the work that we do by giving to those who are needy, to those who are poor, by supporting those who really can't provide for themselves. The government recognises that we do that. We give to those who are homeless, who need food, who need clothing, who don't have a place to stay that those who are part of religions often do that, and particularly the religion of Christianity, has always had a reputation for caring for people in society who need that care, regardless of whether they're Christians. When people come knocking on my door for food or clothing, I don't give them an interview and find out whether they are theologically sound and whether they are a Christian. No, I just give. And Christians have had that attitude from the beginning, that we provide for the poor, that we provide for those people who are in need. And so we should be doing those things. The government sees those things and sees the benefit that comes from those. And it may be part of why they don't charge us the taxes and they leave us alone and they protect us is because they recognise the benefits that come from us. And then the other benefit that the government should get as well is our prayers. Now, the government doesn't really, you, our government doesn't beg for our prayers. They don't send us a request saying, uh, please pray for us. Sometimes in media, uh, when they speak, they say, I'm praying and I encourage you to pray for a particular situation. If there's a disaster, like the floods in Queensland, talk about praying then. But we should be praying for the government, whether they request it or not, whether they're like Darius and want the prayers or whether they don't. We should be praying for our Prime Minister. We should be praying for our local members of Parliament. We should be wanting to see them blessed and that they are doing what is right in God's eyes. It's all very easy to criticise the government, to slag politicians all the time. But maybe the reason they aren't good, that they're so corrupt and do such, you know, putting forth such damaging laws is because you don't pray enough for them. When was the last time you personally prayed for your local member of parliament? When was the last time you prayed for the Prime Minister and for the leader of the opposition, Tony Abbott? 
Do you criticise your local member of parliament? Do you criticise the Prime Minister? Do you criticise the Leader of the Opposition? Is it that you have a grounds for criticism because you don't pray enough for that person? I encourage you, pray for them, even if they aren't like Darius, and request your prayers. Pray for them. You should be praying for those who are placed by God in authority over you. I just also want to make a point on this second main point about using God's protection from pagan governments. A third sub-point here, that you should be careful not to compromise the truth. Be careful not to compromise the truth when you accept help from pagan governments. Governments are great when they're helpful, but they can't lead you into sin. You cannot let that happen. Just because the government expects some benefits from you because they protect Christians in this country doesn't mean you have to do what they say, particularly if they're going to make you compromise on the truth of the gospel. One good example that is currently in our society is the chaplains that they put into schools. I know I'm probably controversial on this point because many Christians, I get emails about it, many Christians seem to support placing chaplains in public schools using government money. The government gives money to provide for the income of a chaplain in a school. And so Christians are applying and going in as Christian chaplains in the public schools. But there are rules about what the Christian can do in the school. The government is paying your salary so they can then say what you can and can't do. And one thing that they require of chaplains is that they must be, and I looked this up on the government website, they must be impartial to other beliefs. You must, if you're a school chaplain, be impartial to other beliefs. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I am partial to Christianity. I could not work as a Christian chaplain in a school, call myself a Christian chaplain, and be impartial to other beliefs. I am partial to Christianity. And it's actually in the frequently asked questions on the government website, one of the questions is, isn't this program just an opportunity for churches to try to make students convert to their religion? So people criticise the chaplaincy program for trying to convert people to Christianity. And so the answer is to that question, no. There are clear guidelines against this. And all workers need to sign a code of conduct which prohibits this behaviour. As such, under this program, chaplains are not permitted to attempt to convert students to religion through evangelising. I can't understand how you could be a Christian chaplain in a school and someone comes to you and you cannot share the most important thing that that person will ever hear in their life, that Jesus Christ died for them if they will accept him in repentance and faith, that all their problems will be solved and I mean all their problems, will be solved if they will come to Christ. But you can't do that if you accept government money and go in as a government-funded chaplain in the school. And so I don't think you should. I don't think we should accept that kind of money because it requires that you compromise on the gospel. And if in the future the government ever says that if you want tax benefits as a church in this country, then you must compromise on these particular truths, then we have to say no 
and refuse to have that money. It may be that in the future we have homosexual marriage as part of the legislation of this country and churches are told if you do not marry homosexuals in your church, then you lose government privileges. It may happen. There's threats of it already happening in the US. If that happens, we have to say, okay, nice of you to make the offer, but we're going to have to refuse the benefits that you're providing. We cannot compromise on the truth of the gospel for money. And that's at the end of the day, that's all it is. Because what are we worshipping instead of God? We're worshipping money, government money. And that is not our God. Our God is the Lord Jesus Christ and we should never compromise on who he is. So today, you've seen God's control of pagan governments for God's people's protection. Question is, do you accept the government's help as a blessing from God? Do you accept that the government and the freedom of religion that they, they hold to in this country is a blessing from God? Do you recognise that every time you share the gospel with someone at work, with a friend, with a family member, that's actually part of being able to do that openly is part of a blessing from this government? Do you accept that? And thank God for the government that you have that allows you to share the gospel at work. It is a blessing from him. Do you work hard under that blessing from God through a pagan government? Do you make sure that you make the most of it? Or do you just accept it as your rights and you don't take great benefit of the freedom of religion that we have in this land? And are you careful not to compromise on the gospel despite what governments do for you? This is particularly something that you may have to consider more and more in the future as our government becomes more and more secular and more and more restricting on what religions can and can't do and they start to bring in legislation about what is hate language. You may have to be very careful that you do not compromise on the truth just because of what the government does for you and the blessings that they provide for you as you live in this country. Let us now speak with our God. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the rulers that you place over us. We thank you for Julia Gillard and for the leader of the opposition, Tony Abbott. We thank you that they are willing to serve this country. Lord, we thank you for the benefits that we have from our Australian government here, that we have freedom of religion, that I am praying right now to you without any fear that someone will come through the door at any moment and kill me for what I'm doing. This is a wonderful blessing from you. Lord, we pray that we may accept such blessings and be reminded of them and thank you for them. Lord, we pray that we may also make the most of the blessings that we have from our pagan government, that we may share the gospel as much as we can while we have the freedom to do so, that we may work hard in the community while we have the freedom to do so. And Lord, we pray that you may help us to be very careful that when we accept the benefits from our government, We do not compromise on your truth, on your gospel.
We pray that we may never worship our governments by making our allegiance to them rather than you. May we always worship you and be prepared to suffer the consequences if called to do so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.